Tonight I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you would, um, to Proverbs, uh, the 29th chapter, and I want to look at verse 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18, says, where there is no vision, Amplify says it this way, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, uh, the people perish. And of course, we were talking about revelation uh, a little earlier about the eyes of people's hearts being to be enlightened. <clears throat> One thing you can close that back door. One thing that happens is is that when people don't have revelation, when they don't have redemptive knowledge, there's a perishing that takes place, mm-hmm. and really that takes. Uh, uh, it also says that in Hosea four six that my people are destroyed. So being destroyed is the same thing as perishing. So we don't want that to happen, right? Right. Amen. One translation says, they run wild and have no restraint. The message says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, when they give attention to what He has revealed to them, that's vision. That's revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is knowledge that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit that is revealed and manifested to you in your own spirit. And that revelation knowledge can come a number of ways. It it can come through communing with the Holy Spirit. The scripture talks about that in Corinthians. Living in communion with the Holy Spirit. But then it also can come... When you are reading the Word and meditating in the Word, the lights, if you will, go on, and you'll be able to see a scripture that you've never ever seen before in a new light. And so it's not just information that we need, it's revelation we need. Now how do we go from information to revelation? One way we do it, again, is communing with the Holy Spirit. But another way we do it is through meditation. Through meditation in the Word. And meditation simply means to dwell on, to ponder. The word cogitate also is used with the term meditation, which means to think deeply, to uh, let God's Word dwell in us richly. It also means to mutter, to think about, to ponder and to say or to declare. And so the Holy Spirit will get involved if you'll invite Him in your reading. And if you won't get into a ritual of feeling like that, you know, you have to read 20 chapters a day, otherwise you haven't done your duty. You know, it would be better to read one chapter a day and get revelation out of one chapter than to read 20 chapters out of religiosity out of a ritual. And so, if you want to be strong in these last days, God spoke to Joshua after Moses was dead, and he said, be strong and of a good courage. We're living in a day where we need to be strong. We're living in a day where we need to be strengthened. Amen? And and you'll notice over in Joshua, I think, verses chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, he told him to be strong for the people's sake. Be strong for the plan that I have for you. Be strong, be strong, be strong. And then he gives him 
a way to be strong. And he said in verse 8 of Joshua, he said, This book of the law or the word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, think about it, utter it, mutter it, talk to yourself. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may be able to observe, to do all that is written therein. Then he goes on to say in the last part, For then you'll make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So being strong and being courageous can come through meditation. And meditation can take you into the land of revelation. And when you have revelation, knowledge that is in your spirit, the enemy can't take it out of you. I mean, they can try to beat you over the head with a baseball bat, but thank God you shall not be, you shall not be moved because you're like a tree planted by the waters and you will not be moved. The psalmist said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God. And in his word does he meditate day and night. Not just Sunday and Sunday night, but day and night. And in it, you'll get that tomorrow morning sometime. And in his word, does he meditate day and night? Hallelujah. And he shall be like a tree. He shall be like a tree. He shall be strong, courageous, unwavering, unmovable. When the storms of life come, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so the roots of your spirit man go down deep into the river of living water. And in that river there is joy. And in that river there is healing. And in that river there is strength. And in that river there is courage. In the rivers of God is the supernatural promises of God and the power of God to cause you to excel and to succeed in life. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man. Happy to be envied. You walk in this, people will envy you. They think, where did he get all this? Who does he think he is? It's not who we think we are, it's who we know we are because of whose we are. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And so, Paul told Timothy, he said, give yourself wholly to the word. Give you, in other words, get all in where the Word of God is concerned. Get all in to what I've taught you. Because as you get all in and as you meditate in the Word of God, here's what's going to happen. Your profiting is going to appear to all men. You won't have to make profit come to you. Profit will come to you as a byproduct of you, hallelujah, meditating in the word and being planted in the house of the Lord, bringing forth fruit for the glory of God. Amen. That your profiting may appear to all men. That's been successful. Remember he says, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. How many of you want good success? I think all of us want good success. We only want success God's way, not our own way. There is a way, you see, that seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are death. 
But thank God if you'll go the way, Jesus is the way, he's the truth and he's the life. If you go all the way with the way, he will prosper you on your journey in life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're blessed. We're blessed. Jeremiah, over there in 17, verse 7 and 8, if you can pull it up. I can't quote this one. But in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, uh, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man. Are you that man? Are you that blessed woman? Are you that blessed person? Ha, ha, ha. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. In other words, our expectation is not in man. Our expectation is not in the world system. Our expectation is not in our intellect. Our expectation is not in our natural strength. But our expectation is only in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 8. For he shall be as a tree. See? He shall be as a tree. He shall be as a tree. Psalm 1 again. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, in his word that he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. When you put your hope in the Lord, and your expectation is in him and in him alone, all of my springs are in him. It's in him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. He shall be as a tree planted by the waters. That spreadeth out her roots by the river. Is a prekesematia. Is it important to be rooted? Yes. It is, import, is it important to be grounded? Yes. Hallelujah. Is it worth the time to come to church? Yes. Is it worth the time to spend time in the Word? To meditate in the Word? Is it a good thing to hear the sayings of Jesus and do the sayings of Jesus so that when the floods arise and the storms come and beats upon your house, it will not be able to shake it because you're founded upon the rock of revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is a river. Brenda does a great message called Jump in the River. There's a song about the river. I believe I'm looking at a bunch of river people tonight. I'm not looking at river rats. I'm looking at river righteous. Hallelujah. We're dancing in the river. We're rejoicing in the river. He should be as a tree planted by waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And, now notice this, and will not see when heat cometh doesn't mean the heat's not there but this person that's planted by the rivers of water is so enraptured in Christ and enraptured in the word that their attention is not on the heat their attention is on the word amen and shall not see when heat cometh but her leaf shall be green glory to God and shall not be careful or shall not be full of care in the year of drought or in the year of famine. When everything is drying up for the world, it's not drying up for the righteous. 
Because there is a severance. There is a separation. There is a wall of redemption between you and the world. When you live in the word and live for him, you will not have to be careful in times of trouble. Hallelujah. I like what David said. I've been young. Now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. You are the seed of Abraham. And the seed of Abraham doesn't have to worry. The seed of Abraham doesn't have to be full of care, full of anxiety. We are living in a fear-free, faith-filled zone. Living in the secret place of the Most High God. Let's keep that scripture up there. Praise the Lord. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful. Make sure that you don't speak words of care, words of fear, words of worry. It's just as easy to speak words of faith as it is words of fear. When things look bad, don't talk bad. When things look bad, talk good. Talk God. Talk your redemption. Learn the language of redemption. The language of redemption will work for you. Don't talk about lack. Don't talk about sickness and disease. Don't talk about how bad it is in the world. It might be nasty. It might be gnarly in the world. But I just dropped by to tell you tonight, you are not of this world. You're living in this world, but you are not of this world. And whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. But not only that, greater is he that's in you. Become greater one inside minded. Not tribulation and trial outside minded. For to be kindly minded will always produce death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. A spiritual mind is a man or woman that has the mind of Christ and their mind is hooked up with their spirit on the inside. The mind has been renewed and it is, it is bringing forth life and it is bringing forth peace. Amen. So when the pressure's on, speak God's word. Amen. Speak the word only. Amen. Even if you're hurting, Even if you're emotional, even if things are really tough, declare what God's word has said. And you know what it'll do? It'll save your soul. He that keepeth his mouth will save his soul from all sorts of problems. That's over there in Proverbs somewhere. You know, if you can keep your mouth, you can keep your soul. Now James said it this way. Let's look at this verse again. Jeremiah 17, verse 8. Let's look over there. Her leaf shall be green, shall not be careful, nor drought, neither shall you cease from yielding fruit. Hallelujah. Are you guys bearing fruit? How many of you are 30 years old or are in their 30s? Raise your hand. Are you bearing fruit? How many of you are in your 40s? Are you bearing fruit? How many of you are over 50? Are you bearing fruit? How many of you are over 60? Are you bearing fruit? How many of you are almost 70? I'm bearing fruit. Hallelujah. Bearing fruit is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus concerning you. Hallelujah. At every age. Every age. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. You should be a fruitful Christian because you're planted by the rivers of water. Now look over to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, and I think it's verses 10 through 12. And let's look at that in the Amplified Version. This 92nd Psalm. This is, this is not in my notes. And I almost said this is not my message, but evidently it is my message. Because it's His message. Amen? Amen? Yeah. He says, But my horn, emblem of excessive strength and stately grace, you have exalted like that of a wild ox. I shall be anointed with what? There's fresh oil available to you and I every day. Verse 11. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish. Shall flourish. That's another way of saying shall bring bear fruit. Shall flourish like the palm tree. Now the eastern palm tree would not easily be blown over. The eastern palm tree was stately. It was strong. And hurricane winds could try to knock it over, but it could never knock over the eastern strong palm. And that's who you are. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall be long-lived. Everyone say, I'm living long. And I'm living strong. I shall live and not die. I shall live until I'm satisfied. The uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Be long-lived, stately, upright, useful. 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 Some of us were told when we were younger that we were useless. But it was a lie straight from the pit of hell. There are no useless members in the body of Christ. There are members that are not using what God has given them. But in the eyes of God, in the mind of God, there are no useless ones in Christ Jesus. He shed his precious blood. We shall be long-lived and stately, upright and useful and fruitful. We are going to grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, Brenda and I have been to Lebanon. And those trees are amazingly beautiful and amazingly stately and dignified looking. They're beautiful trees. And he shall be grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Majestic. Stable. Hallelujah. Everyone say, I'm stable. I'm useful. And I'm stable. That means I'm not going to fall apart. Why is it? Because he's upholding all things by the word of his power. Hallelujah. Just know this, that you're useful and you're upheld. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord. There are people that attend church, but they're not planted in the church. And God loves them, and I love them, and I will never belittle them or condemn them, but I will pray for the planting to take place. 
Because I know that if people can get planted in the house of the Lord and they can hear this word long enough, the word of God will get engrafted into them and it will literally change their life forever. Just like it's changed your life. But oh, thank God. I believe I'm looking at a group of planted people. Planted where? Planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Woo, hallelujah. Anybody interested in bearing fruit? Anybody interested in flourishing? How about you back there, Mr. Empty Seat? We're calling you full in Jesus' name. Planted in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 13. Did you wear your shouting clothes tonight? Verse 13. Growing in grace. That's the way a local church should be. That's the way we should all be. Growing in grace. Growing in grace. Growing in grace. Grace upon grace. Layer upon layer. More grace. Greater grace. Grace for the pace. Amen? Grace for living. Growing in grace. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality, enriched in the verdure of trust and love and contentment. And so I speak this word over your life tonight. I declare in the name of Jesus that you are blessed, that you are like that tree planted by the rivers of water. As you give yourself wholly to the things of God, your profiting and your prosperity shall appear to all. I declare in the name of Jesus, there are no unused gifts in this auditorium tonight. Lord, I thank you. As even John Collier brought up that scripture, stirring up the gift of God. May we stir up what you put on the inside of us. May we stir up the gifting and the graces of God that you've placed in us individually. May we stir ourselves up as a church corporately and not die on the vine. But revive us, O God, in the midst of our years. Let there be a revival in the staff. A revival in every person that walks through these doors. In the name of Jesus. Our best days are here now. Your best days are here now. So in Proverbs 29, 18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. So vision has to do with seeing the invisible and making it visible. One person said many years ago, if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Dr. Cho, who's now well into his 80s, who pastors, who pastored the largest church in the world. Hundreds of thousands of people attend Yodai Full Gospel Church. Brenda and I were there in 1987. We went to a midweek service Wednesday afternoon. Pastor Dick Burnell was going to be speaking. 
Brenda and I weren't prepared for what we saw and what we felt when we walked into that auditorium. 50,000 people groaning in the Spirit. 50,000 people praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It was as if it was the sound of many waters coming together. Oh, it was powerful. And that is what we're after here. The voice of prayer becoming one in the spirit of prayer. We may not have 800,000 people, but we got about 80 here tonight. And I tell you what, if one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. So here's what Dr. Cho said about vision. He said this. He said, if you will show me your vision, I will show you your future. So when we talk about vision and we talk about the local church, we must always bear in mind that a vision that has value will always have something to do with rescuing the perishing. It'll always have something to do with rescuing the perishing. You see, vision reveals what we value and what we see as important. We value people because God does. People matter to God. Say that with me twice. People matter to God. One more time. People matter to God. If they matter to God, they must matter to us. In John 3.16 and verse 17, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His own Son into the world to condemn the world. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad when you came to Christ, He didn't sit there like this and, and be angry with you. But he opened up his arms and took you in. He said, he that cometh to me, I will in no way cast him out. For God, verse 17, sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How many of you know that the fields are white already unto harvest? Jesus said, hey, look guys, don't say it's four months. Don't say it's off in the future. He says, look, the fields are white already unto harvest. And Jesus told them without any hesitation. He says, guys, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. How many of you are interested in getting on the meat that Jesus eats? Oswald Sanders said this, The church that does, that does not evangelize will fossilize. Paul told us to do the work of an evangelist. He says that we are ambassadors. And to reach this harvest here in the Bay Area, to really, really reach people, we must pray fervently for them. 
We must pray fervently for them. And I just want you to know that the foundation of any successful prayer life is God's love in you. Put your hand over your heart and say, thank you, Father, that you love me and that you have put your love on the inside of me. Look at Romans, the fifth chapter and verse five. Romans 5 and verse 5 says this. The love of God, that's the agape. Everyone say agape. Agape. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which has been given unto us. Listen to this statement. Effective prayer is prayer that is prayed from our hearts, not our heads. How many of you know your head will lie to you? Some of you are thinking right now, will he ever get finished? Don't listen to that. The head will look out at people and say, they don't deserve mercy. They're not going to change. Don't waste time praying. How many of you know if we're not praying out of a heart of love, we won't be concerned about anyone else? Our prayers will be selfish. It'll be like this. Lord, bless us for and no more. Me, myself, and I. How many of you have been tempted by what you've seen out there? If you don't watch it, you can be like, become like the elder brother and have a religious spirit. Ah, they deserve to go to hell. I can't believe how they're living. They should just fry. Well, maybe save them before they split hell wide open. That's not love. But the love of God, everyone say the love of God, compels us to cry out for mercy. Hallelujah. Wilfred Wright, and I'm not going to speak much longer, but Wilfred Wright is John G. Lake's um, son-in-law. Of course, Wilford went on to be with the Lord and John G. Lake's daughter and Wilford were at the Secrets of Intercession way back in 1983 in Los Angeles. And Wilford said some just wonderful things about prayer. And one of the things he said about love is this. He says, we choose to love all people, even the unlovable. We love as God loves. It involves the giving of our lives for the benefit of others. He said, this does not merely refer to dying physically. It mainly refers to our being willing to give up our own will and way and take time and to pray and to intercede for all men. This is what we're after. We're after a heart of prayer for the lost. In John 15, verse 13, Jesus said this. He said, Greater love is no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. And one way that we lay down our lives for others is through prayer. It's talking about laying aside our agenda, changing our schedule sometime. How about this thought, even missing a meal occasionally? 
Somebody said, well, you're going to meddling now. <laughs> Mr. Wright said it this way. He said, love is the basis for all Christian activity. And he said, compassion is an ingredient of divine love. Think about it. In his earthly ministry, you see Jesus going from one place of prayer to another, from one act of compassion to another. As a matter of fact, when he looked out and he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they were fainting. And they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And here's what he said. Disciples, listen very carefully. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And then he said, here's what you should do. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors into the harvest. Are there some labors that God wants us to pray for and to pray about? Wilfred Wright says this. Jesus had compassion on the people and asked us to share in that compassion by praying that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into his harvest. With the love of God in your heart and in my heart, we can love the unlovable. We can bring hope to the hopeless. We can minister healing to to the hurting. All we got to do is keep our heart clean and say, Lord, I'm a willing vessel to yield to you. Pray through me. Love through me. Show compassion through me. Help us, Lord, to come to another level of glory and compassion in this church. In Jesus' name.